Yo, sit down, let's dig into your spiritual ego Think you're looking fly, white linen kimono Got your yoni egg in, I think you're ready Yeah, it's time for a boudin tea I want to say actually I have this like I have like anxiety around people that like are really amazing at what they do and I didn't have a frame of reference for you <laughs> other than improv back in the day when we would do it like during during the the C word time um, but I was so impressed with the way that off the top of your head you always were able to use topical themes whether they be spiritual topical or politically topical in mm -hmm. real time and as i've continued my my like uh improv life or what have you path like it's something that i tried that i try to move towards also you inspire me thank you yeah, yeah improv is one of those tools that's good for literally everything you do like if you're good at improvisation you're going to be a better everything businessman lover artist general it's a general purpose like hack i would say that, that's interesting actually because i remember we've done an interview already kevin and i yep. for uh my other podcast the light leaders and a lot of it was about flow right flow mastery and obviously improv comes into it and have so many so it's, first question chengu or uluwatu uluwatu Second. You can say a little bit why. Yeah, you can say why. It's more chill and the beaches are cleaner and better. Mm. Zest or Sayuri? Zest because the drink menu is better. Yeah. Mm. Good, good answer. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, we <laughs> might lose uh, this or the yeah. rest, so thank you. Colonic or Cambo? Uh, Cambo. Not a huge fan of clients. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it? I don't know. Should we, should we do a session about it and go into the root chakra? Maybe it's the same reason why Lawrence loves colonics. Anyway, <laughs> for another time. Hape um, or ice bath? Ah, oh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Hape, then ice bath. Combo. Hardcore. Yeah. That actually is a good one. I would try that. And breath of fire in the ice bath after the hunt. Wow. It's not going everywhere. <laughs> Straight samadhi. <laughs> Temple night or kundalini class? Kundalini class. Too many entities at Temple night. Mm. Talking about entities. <laughs> Talking about mm. entities. This is a great, this should be an entire booty in game show. I love this. <laughs> Talking about entities. <laughs> Ayahuasca? Or Vipassana? Ayahuasca. Because it's, it's like a hundred Vipassanas in one night. Mm -hmm. Cacao or Pu'er? Pu'er. More Shin. There's a lot of Jing in Cacao. Speaking of which. Lawrence, you can go for the next question. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time in a row. Durian or urine therapy? Oh, it's not even like, what? Oh, yeah, you put those together. Durian, bro. I can live on durian. I fucking love it. I've never done urine therapy, have y'all? <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> For another time? 
We don't talk about that stuff around here. <laughs> but we're going to have a guest who's going to talk about it for great, sure great. at some point. I've actually heard good things from people I trust. So. Same, oh, same. It's okay. weird. Maybe I'll do it one it's day. It's weird. Same. Yeah, we're too early in the in the show to like actually like have that conversation. But yeah, um, you want ready for the next one? <laughs> yeah, yoga barn or Regency like? Yeah, yoga barn. I mean, it's the tribe hub. As long as the DJ is good, you know, playing well, that's why next EDM question. on repeat. Okay, so the next question is Malaika or Toltec? Toltec. Wow, I was like, he might not know who Toltec is, but I you know that. who Toltec is. Yeah. That's amazing. Ben. Ben might have to be a guest soon. Yeah. Um, Kirtan or Ecstatic Dance? It depends on the mood. Probably Ecstatic Dance 60% of the time, but I love Kirtan. Contact Dance or Ecstatic Dance? I, I enjoy Contact. I would prefer Contact with a skilled partner. Mm. Really, my queen. Same, 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 same. <laughs> <laughs> and last question: Stay home on a Friday night or ecstatic dance? Ecstatic dance, but I stay home. It's probably fifty-fifty. I love ecstatic it good. Ecstatic dance at home. Yeah, exactly. Which is with uh, with the right partner, it's actually contact dance. Yeah. Contact ecstatic dance at home on a Friday night. Yeah. We're done. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Good job. Da, 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 da. Shoo, shoo, shoo. This or that. Fire question. Okay. That's great. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you've lived. Well, that's Ubudanti. Yeah. And for people who aren't so familiar in Bali, there's like a bit of that rivalry between Ubud, more the spiritual, and Chengu, more the entrepreneurial. But one that's been rising and kind of combining a bit of both also Uluwatu. I know you've been living in all these places, Shengu, Ubud, and Uluwatu. Um, yeah, what, why do you live in Uluwatu now? Why did you leave Ubud? Because we miss I mean, you, Kevin. Yeah, I, mean, I should come visit more. Um, yeah, I, I recommend most people to go in the order I went. A lot of people hit me up, hey, should I live in Bali? Should I do the thing? So I first came here three years ago and lived in Ubud for a long time. Like, left, came back probably over a year and a half-ish. No, no, no. Maybe a year in Ubud. Ubud is amazing if you want a lot of events. This place has the best events, hands yeah. down. Um, it also has the most OG tribe that mm -hmm. are like into yoga, cacao, mm. you know, shamanic stuff, all the things. So that's amazing in Ubud. Also, Ubud, if you are coming to Bali for a healing journey or to fucking chill and like reset your nervous system from the West, mm -hmm. Ubud is the best mm. because, you know, the rice paddies, the jungle, the energy here is just like a lot of earth and water. Come to work. Yeah. Try and come with your it's laptop. It's hard to work here. Yeah. Yeah. Try and Although come you can do it, but it's just not the easiest. Chengu uh, is the opposite. That's where I went next. Um, I lived in Chengu for three to six, six-ish months, and it was amazing. When was that? If you want to work, it was um, end of last year to be, or end of two years ago and beginning of last year, um, right as the corona was kind of ending. Mm -hmm. And Chengu is amazing if you want to get fucking fit, you want to go That's out play. clubbing. You want to date because everybody's like hot and an entrepreneur. Snort some ketamine. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that. Um, yeah, so Chengu is amazing if you want to have meetings or meet fucking people that are crushing business or just be excited and creative, right? 
Um, it also has the beach, which is a big game changer. I, I need the beach. The sunset. No, I, I was yeah. I was joking, but it's true. I used to live in Chengdu as no, uh, as a surfer. It's so nice in the morning. Also, just go for a sunrise surf. Totally. Miss that a bit in Ubud. Yeah. And then finally, I went to Luatu. Luatu is a nice mix of Ubud and Chengdu, because um, because Luatu Temple. I mean, it's, it's one of the most sacred places in Bali. I don't know if you all know the history, but like basically the monk who created the Banjar. He like did this whole pilgrimage through the islands of Indonesia, and this was the temple where he like helped one of these ancient kings become enlightened, wow. and he apparently like ascended there. So like the cliffs in Ulu and the energy there is very rooted, a lot of wind, and like you can surf, you can work, or you can just fucking chill. The beaches there are the most beautiful in Bali. Istana is pretty. Amazing. Istana is amazing, and it's more like a beach town. You know, it'll become like Chengdu in a few years. I mean, even since I've left, I've been gone a year. There's so many developments, but it still has that chill, like kind of surf town vibe. So that's where I choose to live when I'm here. While visiting Chengdu and Ubud a lot. You don't miss the Ubud community when you're in Ubud? I do, I do. I'm just, yeah, I guess this this time around, I'm just kind of in like work warrior mode. So it's easier to kind of be out of the community while I do that. What are you focusing on at the moment? Um, a lot of things. I mean, right now I'm launching a group program all about relationships and polarity and masculine feminine mm -hmm. dynamics. So that's kind of like something I've shifted into heavily over the last several months. And I'm going to do that at the end of the year. And yeah, I'm just also, yeah, I'm dabbling in crypto. I'm doing a lot of interviews and podcasts myself that I host on my podcast. Did um, you get your Lion Dao NFT? I have many Lion Dao NFTs, yes. Um, shout out to FaZe and High Vibe Network. Yeah. I know y'all had him on here. Yeah, I saw him yesterday. I was in I was in Chengdu at Body Factory, and there he was, and we just had a good workout together. It's awesome. Yeah, another big perk of Chengdu is Body Factory. It's yeah, not, the best like spot it. in the. Although Tidivatu is amazing. Although not Body Factory. Not Body Factory. Yeah. but we'll give it you know some kudos. <laughs> <laughs> just for the sake. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm in big work mode, launch mode. Answer your question. Mm. I mean, that's a good segue in what we wanted to talk about. Which is men's work. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about men's work. I'd love to talk about men's work. And I mean, you were talking about relationships, um, niche shifting, like you even said it, like I'm going to be doing this for the next six months or so or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, how did you initially get into men's work? What's your relationship with men's work? Yeah. I, I've seen you participate uh, in a program by Lion about a year ago. So there was Shiva just like as a... Right, he invited me to talk to him. It was a solid crew of men. I think a lot of people got a lot of value out of that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, you know, growing up, born and raised in Texas, you know, I, I played sports, I played American football, I played soccer, <clears throat> I did martial arts, I did like Aikido and Kendo and fucked around a little bit with um, wrestling and you know, there just weren't strong real, male uh, role models. And I, I identified that early. I was kind of like, what's going on here? But it wasn't until like post, you know, kind of spiritual quest, like long story short, the abridged version, I was going to go to grad school for my PhD in psychology. It was like burning out and realizing academic culture is fucking awful. I was like, fuck this. Sold all my belongings, quit my good university job and backpacked through Asia. Actually didn't make it to Bali, but went everywhere else, like Thailand, Malaysia, um, Laos, Myanmar, and India. And went deep into yoga, did my teacher training, and came back to LA and I was like, wow, like, you know, yoga teacher training. And I was teaching workshops and then I was also personal training people. 
And at that time, I really got into coaching, and then I realized that men's work was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was really blessed to go to several um, retreats with an amazing mentor, Elliot Holtz. I don't know if y'all know, he's a big YouTube personality. He's quite controversial these yeah, days. I listened to him on London Real, and it was oh, yeah. pretty controversial. He's a savage. He's way more controversial now. But Elliot's a fucking legend. I would recommend him to people. Just take his stuff with a grain of salt. Um, but he was doing really powerful men's workshops and retreats, like extremely intense, like breath work, bioenergetics, like rite of passage level shit. Only men at first. Um, and then I, I encountered Sacred Sons much later. So I started mm. like speaking about it, talking about it, led some men's circles at our place in San Diego. I had two business partners there. And yeah, kind of just got, fell into the movement. I facilitated at Sacred Sons first three workshops and like in a lot of it on relationship stuff and like reclaiming masculinity and like polarizing a relationship. And yeah, I just, since then it's just kind of like, I never sought it out. It's just people have found me and I get invited to go to these places. And I, I wrote a book with two co-authors all about this sex, masculinity and God about like sexuality, like the journey of becoming a man. And like, why is it so hard to understand masculinity in the modern age? And then also like God and like the absolute, like what's the relationship between man and that? My, my relationship to this work is solely through David Data's work. Like we talked mm. about at the onset of, at the beginning of the show. Um, how close are you to the, like the, your writings and to the stuff that you do to his work? Um, where do you deviate? And maybe like just for people who aren't familiar with his work, maybe you can speak to that so they understand what you're about in that. This is becoming a David Data affiliate program. We should probably get a kickback. Um, <laughs> which I mean, shout out, he's a fucking legend. He put polarity on the map for a lot of people. Even though there's plenty of people that were writing about it, you know, Robert Bly mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of these guys, Robert Moore, you know, King Warrior Magician Lover, Iron John, these are like the OG men's work books. But Data did something unique in that he approached, you know, sexuality and dating um, from the like kind of Taoist Hindu language where it's very poetic and like deep, but it's also addressing like core stuff that everyone's facing right in their life. And you know, I encountered with a superior man like a month after my first Burning Man. So this is like 2013 or 14. And I was driving from SoCal to NorCal and I was listening on audio and just like binged it for that road trip. And I even like kept listening after and it just like changed my life. I was like, what the fuck? I've been this whole time I've been doing it wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in relationships, um, because I realized I was like, I'm pretty much a lot of the time just kind of going with the flow and not holding a masculine core essence. And that's why you know, I was wondering why I was having trouble with partners at that time. So I think his work is incredibly powerful. I think it's still relevant. Um, I haven't gotten deep into some of his other books, but I would recommend most people to start with Way the Superior mm-hmm. Man, even women. Although some women have shared that like for, for women or feminine beings, starting with your lover first is better for them. Yeah, I mean, that's... I was just going to say, every episode should have like a moment that we just like are silent and awkward. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have something more on that? Because then I I would segue more into relationships. Go ahead, you go. Yeah? Yeah. Well, actually, that that relates quite a lot about, so David Deda and that awareness of polarity. And as you said, oh, I'm more in that flow. That's not attractive to the stereotype of the feminine. 
that wants a man that's maybe more directive and structured. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something for me that I'm playing with. In one way, I, I want to be, okay, I'm a man, I want to be a man uh, and, and play this. And I, I wonder how much of it I want to transcend also. And if the woman does the same, then um, I don't, don't want to go against nature, but at the same time, I don't want to feel I'm too bound and limited by the gender and the biology. And I feel maybe we can go beyond that with a partner. Yeah. Like what's, what's, I love, I love how, how do you play with polarity? Do you feel, okay, that's our roles. Let's strengthen what it should be to be a man and a woman. And how much do you challenge that and, and look at, well, how, how much do we want to go into like beyond that? I mean, I'd love to see it. Never seen it once. I've never seen a couple who is an androgynous super being that can like, you know, Shiva Shakti and has high polarity. And I'm sure they might exist. And, you know, I'm also quite extreme with some of these views because after seeing like at this point, probably hundreds of clients and going all these places and talking with people about this, everybody has the same problems, you know, whether it's a conscious community or like, you know, I've, I've been in men's retreats with like working class dudes, you know, like, like literally like carpenters and builders. They're having the same issues. Now, there's many, many ways to break this down and probably don't have enough time on the podcast, but several things come to mind. One, um, you have to learn the rules like a pro. And this is a Picasso quote. Someone can fact check it. You have to learn the rules like a pro before you can break them like an artist. So if you are a master of polarity, married for 40 years, you and your you know, partner were just like so deep in it. At that point, you could start probably fucking around with transcending and then you're both like beyond masculine and feminine. The reality is, is that we live in a, in a dual universe and in quick PSA, because someone right now, I can just feel them getting upset. It's like, well, this is bullshit because this is gender normative and this is the patriarchy. It's like, no, actually it's not. <laughs> masculine and feminine are energies, just like sun and moon, just like yin and yang. They're the same in same-sex couples and transgender or non-binary folks. So just throwing that out there, moving on. When you own your dominant core essence, so for me as a man, my dominant essence is going to be masculine because that's what I feel best in. That's what I'm most successful in. When you just own that, and then this is the big part, accept the limitations of that. That's the, that's the key that I struggled with, the same mindset. Accept, accept the, limitations. the limitations. And this is the mindfuck about mm. discipline. It's actually limiting yourself to make yourself more powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine a water hose that's just like fanning out versus like a laser beam of water, right? They can like cut stone, right? It's like you're focusing energy basically. Yeah. And it's Tantra. You know, tantra is union with reality. It's merging and, it's, and you're, you're owning duality to get to a place of power, not to disempower. And that's like, mm. it, it's, it can be a mindfuck. <laughs> and this is what's happening all the time, every day. Even if you're not with your partner, it's the most obvious when you're with your partner and you, you know, wanna go on a date or you know, create an experience or you wanna be physically intimate then it's like really palpable because you're the poles are meeting one another. But you could be going around about your day, drinking tea here at Zass, you could be on a call, you could be at work. You're still playing with that polarity and duality, right? Like the yin and the yang are always present inside you. And as a lot of men in Ubud are, myself included, <laughs> we've cultivated our feminine core essence a lot. And we've explored mm -hmm. it, right? Whether that's through psychedelics or tantra or you know shamanic practice dance or dance you know music art 
the feminine is pure creative energy. It's pure, you know, Shakti. It's, it's, it's ever-changing. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of inspiration from that. However, when you're not in those ecstatic states or altered states, you're going to have to be in your masculine. Like, you know where your house is, you know your zip code, you know, you know how to get into your bank account, you know how to fill your bank account, you know how to, like, take a, a feminine being on a date and actually create a safe container that she can expand and you can penetrate that energy with her. So it's a dance. Mm. And you got to own your pole, in my view, and cultivate it intentionally while accepting that there's a time and a place for each one. Yeah. How would a man who is from Ubud <laughs> that has cultivated his feminine, um, that has a masculine core, how would he sharpen his masculine core? Like what would be a good practice or a good focus for that? It's a great question. I mean, the answer is a discipline or practice. Just pick one, right? The most simple ones I love, which are readily available and you were bringing them up earlier, ice bathing, you know? That, that's a simple way to expose yourself to discomfort and build a routine. I mean, I would also suggest, you know, something like yoga, kundalini, weightlifting, you know, running, whatever. Just pick something and go all in on it. Something you enjoy. And, it, and physical practices, I think, are best to start with. Because if you try to start with something more abstract, it, it, can, be, it can be slippery, right? Yeah. To me, there's almost two ways. There's the more physical and the ice bath. By the way, we used to have a nice bath in our, in our home. That was great. And also, to me, the masculine is that strength and also the stillness. So I feel something like Vipassana. Right. It was a discussion I've had some a friend who thought meditation was feminine. No, to me, something like at least something like Vipassana is very masculine and mm -hmm. super still. Totally. Yeah, no, meditation is a top practice. Mm -hmm. I would, I would 100% agree. Or fasting, maybe. Fasting is a would good one. Would be really good as I think yeah. about it. What, mm -hmm. what surprised me is you mentioned Kundalini and weightlifting together. Now, weightlifting, I would think of as like a masculine discipline. And Kundalini is a discipline, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it cultivates something that's more light, more feminine. So I just, maybe, I just, I don't know if I'm picking. For me, it's like I was catering it to Ubud, okay. but mm. I mean, you're right. Kundalini is a little more balanced. Now, all that being said, that's just like, that's just like first base. Like I'm assuming that they have a place to put their creative energy, that they're financially structured, whether they're working for someone else or working for themselves, that all has to feed together into their life, right? The masculine is about strategy and structure, right? The classic metaphor is like the feminine is the river. Mm -hmm. so it's like raging, there's rapid, sometimes you get still. Masculine is the river banks. So you're channeling the life force for yourself, within yourself, your masculine, feminine, and if you're in a relationship, that's gonna come into play. So you gotta be a river banks. You need, you need structure. That means you need and to master time. Sometimes even the banks. It's funny that's a river bank. It's actually <laughs> not funny. It's probably like specifically created that way. Like the no, water. Yeah. The etymology. I mean, yeah. yeah. You spend currency, the river current, yeah. put yeah. your money in a bank. No, there's a lot Liquidity, of like, like it goes on. Exactly. And on and there's on. a lot of hidden that's a whole rabbit hole, by the way. It's like, yeah, I'm 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 in that. We're not ready for that yet. <laughs> on this show. That's a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, masculine's gonna have to master time. It's like strategic, right? So like, what are you doing with time? Like there's a classic saying in the entrepreneur world. It's like, oh, like you're about this and that. Oh, you have a talk a big game. Show me your calendar and show me your bank account. And I'll tell you exactly what you're actually doing, right? Or show me your group of friends. Those three things can tell you so much about how a person 
is using their time, energy, and attention and structuring it. And yeah, you know, a lot of guys, especially if they move to Bali and, you know, they've been living it up and, you know, whatever. And, you know, maybe they're still experiencing high polarity in their masculine, like in dating and sexuality or even in their business, but it has to, it's an, in, it's an inner game, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an inside job. The core masculine essence starts with yourself. You have to lead yourself and like train yourself basically. And yourself. Like I find that outsourcing things like Kundalini meditation, even going to like a workout class, it's important. It's a step one because I'm going to these places, but we're talking about strategy and structure and we're talking about like yourself, which means at some point, it's like, I'm not going to go to a CrossFit class. I'm going to be able to, like, in this realm, I'm going to have to be able to, like, cultivate that willpower to do that workout on my own, so to speak, as a metaphor. Sure. I mean, when you're going to a class, it's really good at the beginning because you're actually surrendering to another's masculine container. Yeah. Right? The teacher, the, the sangha, the community is holding you so you can cultivate yourself. It's super valuable at the beginning. Most of us have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's always valuable, even because some days you'll want that support. Um, but yeah, this is where cultivating a self-ritual, self-practice, you know, I think writing and reading, I'm, I'm also super heady, I, I'm, I love this shit, but you know, reading is, you're, you're literally spending time with another person's intellect, Yeah. especially a good book, not some fucking whatever book, but like solid stuff, you know, that's a cultivation and like sitting and actually reflecting on what you're reading and then writing, you're cultivating your own mind and you know meditation would go in there i'd put prayer in there or some kind of devotion you know those those are those are the things you do when no one's watching which means you have to have time when no one's watching right which is so much harder in like social media world where we're you know we're like doing that a lot sure not us other people <laughs> <laughs> um you want to move on right I, or uh, you have another question oh, oh i'm thinking of moving on to relationship yeah i feel like that's a, a perfect segue yeah because yeah. actually, you yeah you you good with that yeah because yeah, totally. that's also a relationship by the way. She's beautiful. <laughs> we were talking about sometimes how I was joking about how our relationship for the podcast is almost like um, yeah a lot of cultivation and feeling safe and segueing back to women relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you talked about making the importance of the masculine making a container safe, and we've had. Josh just before, who's leaning more towards open, open ways to relate and to explain why. Um, what's your view on open relationship? Let's say, to put a more a definition on it, at least opening sexuality, for example, into a romantic relationship. Yeah, what's your view on it? Do you feel it can can make the, the like the people can feel safe in that or what's what's your view on that and, and what's your so can you start with your relationship also and why you're doing it this way yeah i mean i'm in a monogamous relationship we've been together for a year and you know from the very beginning we'll when we probably were first Ulrika at some point yeah she'd love that um you know at the very beginning we've kind of stated that that's what we were really available for and have gone in that way and it's it's been amazing you know and so it's very young only a year um so yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Now, disclaimer, I have been in open relationships, a few over the years, and I think they are amazing for exploring yourself, for breaking edges, um, confronting things like jealousy and scarcity versus abundance and all these you know, things. 
Um, that being said, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I've never seen a long-term couple that I would judge personally to be deeply in love, committed, running a family or running a business of any kind that is using an open style. Now, I have people come up and they're like, well, what about this one and this one? And you know, I, I've known a few over the years living in California and around the world. And yes, they were doing awesome things. Yes, they might have had a throuple for many, many, many years. Um, but in, and again, this is my small sample size, which is why I always ask this question because I want to see it. I'm like, cool, let me show you it. Um, always a lot of drama, a lot of um, wounding. A lot of it's not intentional, but someone gets the short end of the stick a lot of the time, mm. which I don't think it has to be the case. It's just the skill level and the trust required to make it work long-term is, whew, it's tough. Mm. I think our ancestors, many of them were polyamorous, but they lived in a village of 150 people or less. A lot of the fathers didn't know whose kids were whose. The mothers knew, right, as it came out of their body. And everyone was raising everyone's children because they literally lived and died together because they were hunting and gathering. A lot of them were nomadic. They were just one big family. Mm. In a sense. So in that sense, like, yeah, like, you didn't have a wife that no one, you know, this woman has relationships with like four men in the village and had four different, you know, children. And who knows whose children they were. And that, you know, that's why it's in our DNA. Like, there, there are times in history that that was happening. Now, as you, you know, gather resources, you become sedentary, you know, agriculture, walled cities, civilization, armies, markets, you know, we've kind of gone on this long trajectory. Now, in the modern world, I really believe that most people, if they want to get their, all their core needs met and they want to have deep, alive intimacy, and especially if they want to have children and they want to have a household, right? Whether that's a business or own property or want to do some shit, you're going to be much more well served by going all in on monogamy. And again, accepting the limitations of monogamy. So instead of going wide, this is speaking kind of to men right now, going wide with your seed, you know, like people use the idea like, you know, men just want to spread their seed. And it's like, yeah, on one level, but there's there's a strategy of going wide and like, you know, imagine going to the library and reading the first chapter of 10 books. Or imagine reading one really good book that you chose and memorizing it because yeah. it's fucking amazing and it has all 10 chapters. So it's like wide versus deep, right? My partner's we, like some, nodding. Yeah. Ah, some signal, see? The feminine is signaling to you. Now, now the masculine can make a can make a decision based on that. You know, great. I think you have to stop. I think you have to stop now. <laughs> Just keep it on us for now. <laughs> Just like saving the shows. <laughs> Just when she's okay with. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a really good point. I, I heard you use the word running a business in context of relationship. Not necessarily together. I mean, like, for people that want to have, like, they're they're that involved deeply in a business and that yeah. kind of life. It's going to support that. Yeah. That's a whole another level, right? Running do a business you, together. What, what do you think if, because um, a lot of people, especially around Ubud, are like, oh, we're, we're a tribe and looking at building community, eco villages, and then living a little bit more in that ancient way also. Do you feel, how do you feel it works with that? Specifically with open relating? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the longest ex experiment of this is in Portugal. It's called Tamara. Um, I hear good things about it. Apparently it works so well because there is extremely high levels of accountability. <clears throat> so it's like sexual exploration, open relating is encouraged. And I think this community has been around 40 years or something. 
I've never been, but um, there's an amazing documentary of Brother Ian McKenzie you had on my podcast. It's called uh, Open Love or Free Love. Someone can look it up. But yeah, there's basically huge circling exercises or councils where any like, you know, I, you know, Pete's an asshole. He fucked Sarah and he said he wouldn't. And like, that, you, know, you know, you can imagine this is happening all the time. But they have a technology to basically meet the contractions in community. The elder people hold it down. You know, there's a whole system. They really operate like a village, even though it's got expats coming in and out. The application process and the vetting process to actually live there and, you know, do stuff there, not as a volunteer, is years. Mm. So they've set up a very tight-knit container where I think it can thrive. Um, yeah, and in terms of, you know, Bali and other places where communities are building and growing, yes, that's awesome as a vision. Um, I also have spent a lot of time traveling and speaking of these Atenjil communities, specifically like here, Costa Rica, Mexico, and the States, mm. and now a few in Europe. Um, the number one and two reasons, no, three, the top three reasons that intentional communities fail and do not continue after ten, uh, under 10 years, this is like a stat from like longitudinally from the 60s, someone can look it up. Um, number one, financial issues. So the founders are like, we have 10 million to build this village and da da da. And then it's like, so massive wait, core. Right. It's like, Jim, you spent 6 million on fucking DJ equipment. You know, it's like the money gets mismanaged, right? Second one is sexual issues, usually between core founding members that destroy it. And the third one is just the founder's vision don't agree. So you notice like the number two reason that the community fails is because the sexuality is opened or handled in a way that actually destroys the grassroots of what the, the community needs to even grow. Money, sex, power. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. That's it. Which are the lower three chakras, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's Muladhara, Saristana, Manipura. It's like literally humanity's evolving. Like a lot of teachers talk about this, like we're evolving like into the solar plexus, the high solar plexus to actually bridge into the heart. Like if you look at the chakras as a map, like that's where humanity is. We're kind of navigating in here because like, I mean, and a lot of people haven't figured out money and sex at all. And myself included, I'm a fucking student. So I went so deep in personal development. Nobody teaches you how to relate to these energies, the energies that define most of our lives as humans. It's interesting, like in terms of like we have been, like you use the term it evolved to here, or what if we're devolving? Descending, yeah, that's another Descending. idea. I think I think it's like a, a toroidal, so it's happening at right, once, at the right? Same it's time. like fractal, yeah. It's not like a linear thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to add a bit on the relationship. I'd like to ask you something because we talked a lot about why not open relating. I know you're sure. in a very beautiful relationship now, so maybe what's, what's exciting you the most about building that container with Erika at the moment and sharing? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing with her specifically because she's also teaching and studying this stuff like professionally. So it's like we're literally living in a dojo for our work. So it's like, you know, which is amazing and challenging because there's nowhere to hide. You know, mm. it's just like everything requires ownership and accountability. The beautiful thing with us is that I believe we're so compatible, like on every level, like physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, that even if one of us is going through big things, and we, we do, it's not like rainbows and butterflies, we go through our shit. The way we navigate it with skill is like unlike anything I've experienced. You know, and again, someone's like, well, 
have kids and be married 10 years. You know, people online say this a lot. They're like, shut the fuck up, hippie. You've been, you know, it's like, hmm. cool. Um, cool story, bro. Like, enjoy your terrible third divorce. The thing about, like, the relationship is, like, the way it starts and the first honeymoon phase in the beginning determines how it's going to continue. So it's like, if you Say that again. Say that again. Repeat that. So the way a relationship starts and how you navigate the honeymoon phase mm. and, like, the first, you know, few years sets up the rest of the relationship. And thank you for asking to repeat because a lot, a lot of people would say, the work starts after yeah. a year and a half after Which is, the honeymoon that's a ridiculous idea that like it's like wow you just showed up to the relationship you've just been kind of on autopilot until now and now when things get hard it's like all right let's roll up our sleeves it's like it's ridiculous this is this is this is boomer tantra that's what i call that stuff like when someone tries to tell me how relationships worked and they haven't been in a good relationship and their parents and their parents and that's why our i feel like our generation is one of the ones that's going to really break this, this legacy of trauma between men and women and between parents and children. It's like a lot of us are kind of stopping the momentum of the trauma, working out our shit, and uh. the relationships we're creating and the kids we're going to have in these villages, communities, etc. You know, that's the whole reason a lot of this is happening. You know, if you go deep in the the Hindu lineages, these are the samskaras. Like we're literally untangling the samskaras of all this fucking just trauma and it's not their fault it's not their evil people it's just like they were dealt intense hands and they didn't have tools to deal with it it's not our fault no this we're needs just, this yeah. needs a, a whole brother a whole brother a whole brother a whole brother where's the sage <laughs> where's power with the leaves <laughs> all right This is really good tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll finish this podcast with uh, telepathic communication. I think that's fine. I think, I mean, as long as you're watching live, you're fine too. <laughs> I mean, I could like, like dig some more questions. Mm. Like, cause this is the subject matter is so interesting. Mm. The fact that you guys like the business part is really interesting because you guys both work in a similar field. I think I saw that you guys are doing stuff together. Not yet. I mean, we've, we've done some videos, but we haven't actually worked together. I mean, we will at some point. And the ability to be able to coexist because now you're like, the business is like a masculine strategy right. structure. So she would lose her masculine or her feminine in that realm a little bit. Sure. And, and so on and so forth. So for me, that's something that's super fascinating because I always want to work with my women. Mm. And it also seems like a good place for, not a good place, it'd be, it's, it's a dangerous place to go sometimes. Oh, I've been like, there. For polarity partners. especially. For polarity is what I'm speaking yeah. to, yeah. And this is what she's really good at teaching, and I don't want to speak for her, but, you know, feminine transition rituals and the ability to actually be in your body and have, you know, a safe space. So you have like workspace, you have, you know, tribe space, and then you have like your couple space, which is sacred. And so the way you navigate through those and how you transition is important, right? And it's the same for men. Like, you know, I might be in my masculine, like doing the thing in my business, but then when I come home or to the relationship, I maybe just want to relax. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to be on it anymore. And you still got to bring that energy of direction and leadership to the, the feminine. 
And so that's my side of that. And then for her, it's to soften and to open and like not bring the like, like super mental masculine energy. And it's just, it's just an awareness around it. And is, um, is awareness enough? Is well, it, and practice. And, and, you have and, to practice like shifting, like usually with your body, right? It's not like a cool idea. And, and the structure, right? Like, for example, having, yes, I mean, you touched on it, but having even really dedicated, uh, for example, tonight's a tantra night or like sure. a date night. I mean, right. and having containers where, okay, we're not going to talk about work, especially if you work together. Right. right. Yeah, this is, this is big. I mean, we have a weekly ritual that we take turns leading. Mm. Mm. So like one partner will come up with what it's going to be, the other like one. Queen's Knight and King's Knight. Basically, yeah. And it's amazing. So we have that as just kind of a stable. Um, but we're actually really good. And again, like, you know, it's been a year. So we're navigating pretty, pretty full steam ahead. A lot of momentum, a lot of polarity just naturally. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we really have to do anything. It's more just have to get out of the way of like the tendency to just talk about work or like small talk, right? Or just like kind of be in like logistics is what we call it. Like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And like, oh, like, you know, it's just like, no, drop into the body. You know, eye, eye gazing, getting out of like just vocalizing work stuff, dance or like a workout or like, you know, pattern interrupt and then create the couple space together. And I think most people experience this, even if they're working like traditional jobs, right? Because now most women are working as well. Even if, even if they're at home with the children, they might still be working online. So and since Corona, everyone's working online. So when you get up from your computer and you enter couple space, you need to be intentional and you need to have a transition, right? Like go fucking pick up a kettlebell, like take an ice, take like, an ice bath. Like now. Right. Like it, it sounds to me, what's coming to mind is fake it till you make it in a positive sense, in the sense of like we hear, or I've heard a lot um, for the, for the woman who might have more masculine tendencies to allow the masculine to lead her right now that is a fake it till you make it moment where she has to be like oh fuck okay i'm just gonna like let him open the door like wait for him you know do you find that that's enough or does it yeah does that work or does it have to be organic that will work in the short term because maybe by just letting him lead even if she's like you know resentful and kind of hardcore masculine maybe but no it's not going to work in the long term because and, and this is the other like vulnerable part that you're gonna have to navigate as a couple and it's not the norm it's the exception not the rule but some couples thrive when the male body is in the feminine energy and the female body is in the masculine that exists i have seen that mm-hmm. um, i think it's not common and it probably wouldn't suit most people but if that was that what works and you can hold polarity that way fuck yeah in the long term it might not work but can it be like a jump start? Totally. As a, like, the good thing about fake it till you make it, that idea is that your nervous system doesn't, you know, subconscious basically doesn't tell a difference. Nice. So that's why faking it is why comedy improv works too. Yeah. You can become that character and enact whatever it is. And subconscious isn't saying like, oh, we're just pretending. It's just like, oh, we're doing this now. And it's just, that's happening. The conscious mind is the one that you're going to have to deal with because it's resisting mm-hmm. or like, well, I should choose where we're going to eat and I pick whatever and I want to pay and I want to open the door. You know, those ideas and, you know, not to open a rabbit hole at the end of the podcast here, but this is where I see a lot of the, you know, dare I say the psychological operation, PSYOP mm-hmm. and negative impact 
of the postmodern strain of feminism, which is you can be a strong, independent woman. You don't need no man. Men are actually violent. Like all men are violent or bad. Toxic. Yeah, the whole toxic masculinity comes out of this. But, you know, more and more women now. I've been interviewing a lot. If people are interested on my Instagram page and YouTube, I've been interviewing a lot of these women. More and more are waking up and they're like, yo, classical feminism is awesome. Like the OG feminists in the 50s and 60s. It's just like, yeah, we want equality of uh, opportunity. They didn't want equity or quality outcome. Like we don't want to, yeah. you know, work in real, railroad spike. You know, they, they don't want to like clean sewers. Like the fucking men are going to do that. They don't want to go to war and like, you know, be on the front line. Most women don't. Anyway, feminism has done a huge disservice to men and women by inverting and distorting our instincts, basically, our natural polarized instincts. And conscious community is not immune. In fact, a lot of people in the community that I see are super into these ideologies. And they're like, and then they layer on the, the spiritual part. It's like, well, you know, the Arcturian Council told me, or mm-hmm. my ayahuasca <laughs> told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's another <laughs> layer of like yeah. ideology around that. Yeah. And most of them are single or have a story that there are no good partners. And they, you know, kind of like team up with other people and they're like, yeah, this is all bullshit. And like, and I just, I feel sorry for them. And I ended up working with some of them to like kind of unpack that and be like, hey, like, what do you actually want? And most of them, when you get to the core, I want to be in my feminine essence. And I want a man I can trust and love who will contain and lead me in a good way, you know, yeah. with, with like care, not like a macho asshole, but like actually a strong masculine partner in their life. So then they can be a strong feminine. Very cool. I can't wait to have you on again because as we mature this show, like a lot of the topics that we just touched on, we're going to be able to go deeper and also the narrative is going to move. So we're going to be able to talk about new things and really dive deep. Thank you so much. That was really awesome. Thank you guys. Um, A last little thing, if you can make it, if you can make it short, I have a curiosity around you having traveled quite a lot, uh, being living in Austin, visiting Costa Rica, uh, being a nine Bali, where, where do you, where's your favorite place in the world? I mean, my favorite place right now, I'm also biased because I went to the college there is Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, it's like Silicon Valley in the nineties right now, in terms of coaches, entrepreneurs, people that want to build, you know, buy land, build community, a lot of crypto folks, a lot of, you know, people hosting podcasts or doing retreats or working with medicine or working with, you know, all the biohacking, health conscious, you know, buck the matrix mentalities. So why are you here? I'm here right now because we were in Europe doing events and then my lady's getting a visa. So best oasis in the world when you're in between countries, right? So I also miss Bali. It's been a year. So I was ready to come back. Sweet. I'm glad I did. And how long do you stay? Uh, it's it's still up in the air. We're still waiting on the paperwork, so okay. probably another month, which I'm not complaining. It's great. We're not complaining either. We're very very yeah. happy that you were able to stop by and be part of what we're doing here. Fuck yeah. Finish with the tradition. The qu- the slurp, or the questions. Oh yeah, we have the questions. Quick questions. <clears throat> First question is: What thing did you never do before you came to Ubud? Enemas. I had my first <laughs> enema in Ubud. No colonics, so, but enemas. He's into. Yeah, there you go. And what is normal? <laughs> what is normal in Ubud that is weird in the rest of the world? 
super long 45 second hugs with audible sighs. Yeah. <sighs> do we have any more do we have any more tea for him? For the for the trend for the tradition? Yes, yes. Yes, you can drink from mine. Cool. So we do a thing called the slurp. Great. You're on. Come by. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> awesome, Kevin. Thank you for being here. Uh, like, subscribe, follow, YouTube, Instagram, share. As Alex likes to say, if you like an episode, screenshot it, put it on your stories or on your TikTok. We're going to appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. That was awesome. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Yeah.